0: All right, let's officially start. <laughs> um, if you've listened before, you know what our spiel is. Hello and welcome everyone to the 6.25 Pod live hey. and you can actually see us in person rather than just listening to us. Unless you're
1: listening on the actual podcast. After That's the fact. true. This
0: will be released later. Disappointing you, for you. you Sorry. Yeah, you'll have to ask people what we wore. Um, And so Anton and I started this podcast as a way to help encourage the members of 625 while we're not meeting physically, but also to be helpful to anyone else who listens in, who wants to learn a little bit more about the Christian life, be encouraged from the Bible um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, We've been working through the fruit of the spirit in season one, and this is the end of our season. It is the end. Yes. So we thought we'd do something special with the very end of the, the season. Yes, and we're do... doing
1: a live Q&A. So thank you for those who have sent in questions already. And feel free to post your questions on the Facebook um, thread down below. Yep, see we'll we be keeping in track.
0: Yep. So, and we'll also be having the final round of trivia, ah. which... Look, oh, we,
1: we, could, we actually have the yeah, actual... Yeah, we have a... We have a the actual game. game. Now you can see it. That it is a real board game called... Yep revelation and so we'll be asking questions uh finally we're having some bonus questions as Mm -hmm. well so we're going to do one from each category uh mainly so simon has a chance to catch up i need it
0: okay well then let's start off by just having a little bit of a a brief
1: summary of what we've looked at over the last season what's what, what have we been doing anton yeah well we have as you said we've been looking at the various aspects of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5, the things that the Holy Spirit of God produces in us as we grow as Christians. So we looked at patience, self-control, love, goodness. Did I say patience? I think I said patience. Kindness, lots of other ones. <laughs> um, and no. I miss. gentleness, love. gentleness. I, did, I said love. I love yeah. yep. Joy, joy. Uh, and I really loved it. I really loved digging into, particularly ones like gentleness or um, mm. goodness. That's another one we missed. Uh, things that I don't, we don't dive into uh, yeah. deeply very often. We didn't have a big idea about what those would look like before no. we did the episode. And that no, so thought. it was really good to, to see what that looks like for mm. us in the Christian life. Well, something you got, you got out of it, Simon. Yeah,
0: I think I've. <laughs> Knowing the fruit of the Spirit for a really long time and hearing people teach on it, I've heard a lot of people be very pedantic about how it is fruit singular and not fruit plural. Correct. Um, And I kind of understood that you're like, yeah, you want to be faithful to what it's saying in the Bible, but I didn't understand why it was a really important distinction to be making. It just kind of didn't heaps make sense to me that it was something so essential that it would annoy people. But I think over this series, I've really realized how interconnected all those different aspects are like how each thing kind of feeds into the other you know you can't have love and kindness like they just go together so naturally and all of those things um, it really struck me that yeah this is a singular fruit of the spirit this is the cohesive work of what the spirit does and here's kind of what it looks like and so it's i thought the produce it was cool. of what you know yeah. the spirit
1: yeah. Does enough.
0: yeah. And that was really exciting. Now I understand why people are pedantic about it and I can be pedantic about it too.
1: Isn't that great? <laughs> well, so time.
0: throughout the week, we asked you to send in some questions because um, we thought maybe the best thing to do in a live episode would be to actually have a live question time so we can actually interact with people and answer their questions. Um, and so Anton posted up a hypothetical question that was not a hypothetical question. Because we're now going to answer those questions, and you guys—it's no longer it, hypothetical.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. true. It wasn't hypothetical then. Well, not strictly speaking, but no. it was posed as hypothetical. So, does yeah. that make it a hypothetical question? Mm. You can ponder that. Yeah, you can Ped- that later. Pedants
0: Let us know if yes. you are pedantic about these things. Um, so, we're going to have a live question time. We'll work through some of the questions that we had already. Um, then we'll do some trivia, and then we'll work through some more questions and have a chance for some live questions. Yep. Yeah. So, first question we're going to chat about.
1: Okay, first question was from Emma. She asked how could how should Christians feel when we do things that please God? Proud, comfortable, happy, neutral? Question mark. Yeah,
0: I think this is a really great question and a really interesting one to think about because I think you know, emotions are a big aspect of our lives and sometimes we can get confused about how they fit into Christianity and not quite know how all those things gel and mesh together. Mm. Um, and it's certainly one that I've thought about before. I was searching to try and find a really good Bible passage to answer this question, but I couldn't. Um, so we're off to a bad start of not having a direct Bible reference for this one. Um, but I thought I'd just share a little bit of a known personal example of me um, and then kind of talk about maybe the principles behind it. So I think... For instance, after I've preached and it's gone really well, like how should I feel after that? I think I feel like I feel happy that it's gone well like that's a good thing to feel when something's gone well. You should feel happy about it and I think i feel um I'm really thankful to God that he's worked through me and I find it really exciting that i've um Yeah, got up and taught God's word and people have heard and learned from it. And that's really excited. And I feel really excited that God's worked through me. So I think, you know, being happy and excited about those things, that's a really good response to have. Yes, it should definitely not be neutral. Yeah. like It's
1: great to have emotion
0: after doing things for the Lord. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you think about... God is transforming you to be more and more like Jesus. And so you doing good things for God is evidence of that. That should be really exciting for you to notice in yourself and go, hey, look, this is this is God working in me to make me more like Jesus. And that's really exciting. So I think you can feel happy and excited about those things. I think maybe the danger would come in is when you start pursuing the emotions rather than mm. doing the godly things. And so if you are doing those things in order to feel good, or you're doing those things in order to, yeah, for, for those reasons, then you're kind of lost focus. The the emotions should be a positive byproduct, I guess, of, of doing those good things, rather than what you actually pursue themselves.
1: What about, where does pride fit into that? Because mm. pride might be, is pride an emotion? Anyway, we'll run with it. Yeah. Uh, what, if, uh, what if you have a sense of pride out of what you've done? Mm.
0: Yeah, I think that one's, complicated because like pride is complicated right I think you you shouldn't feel proud of yourself in that this proves that I'm worth I'm worth more I'm better or that kind of thing I think pride has that aspect of I've kind of proved that I'm worth something through what I've done or like I feel good about myself because I have through my own capabilities achieved something I think yeah, you can feel proud that God is working in you. I think like Paul only boasts in the gospel and that's his thing that he boasts about. So I think you can feel, yeah, I think proud's a, a tricky word semantically to try and, I think there's like a a good proud of being like, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud that God's been working in me and I've, he's helped me to do these things well. But there's also a, I'm really proud of the things that I've done kind of vibe. And that's not, Alley you want to go down,
1: yeah. If it breeds arrogance or Mm. if it breeds self sufficiency, yeah, then that kind of pride is unhelpful for us in our walk with Jesus, yeah. Um, but certainly feeling good about and giving thanks to God, especially when, yeah, He's enabled us to do good things in His name, yeah, is great, yeah. It's a great question, Emma,
0: yeah. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, Only fair? Yeah. So uh, this is a little merging of two questions from people. Um, So we believe that we are saved by faith. However, there's also a works aspect that we seem to believe. I have friends who say that they have faith and believe they really, I believe they really do. However, they knowingly and without regret go and get drunk or have sex. Uh, What's the balance between faith and faith? And
1: works. Um, so, looking at faith and work, we are only saved as we put our faith in the Lord Jesus. That's the only way that we can be right with God. It's the only way we can have an eternal relationship with Him. And so, none of our good works count towards salvation. We can't be so good or do so many good things that God will save us because of those good things. It's only by the good work of Jesus in dying and rising for us and for our salvation. So we need to put our faith in him, trust that he has saved us. So we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So uh, think about what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who is faithful to Jesus. Faithful in two senses. Uh, Faithful in putting their faith in Jesus' atoning work uh, for salvation. So faith that they're saved by Jesus. But then they live a life that is faithful to him. You know, the Bible often describes uh, people's relationship with God as a marriage, mm. uh, somewhat as a as a committed uh, covenantal relationship, mm. and so if you know, it'd be kind of weird if I entered into a marriage, my marriage, and then uh, all of a sudden, so we, we got married, but then I just ignored my wife, or I went and saw other people, or you know, that's not what a that's not what being married is. A bit like being a Christian we enter into a relationship uh, with God, through Jesus, it wouldn't be right then to ignore him or to not live with God as king. So a Christian is not someone who puts their faith in Jesus's saving work, but then lives unfaithfully to Jesus in how they live. Uh, That's not what Jesus has saved you for. He saved you uh, to live out the relationship with him in faithful obedience to him. Now, of course, we're going to, uh, we're going to get that wrong, we're going to sin, we're going to uh, forget about what God wants us to do. And of course, by the grace of God, we can always go to Him for forgiveness and uh, repent and turn from our sin and enjoy the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. But if, we, if we're not actively living for God, you know, if we're someone who, um, uh, you know, without regret or, you know, goes out and, as we said in the question, gets drunk or has premarital sex or um, you know, willingly sins, uh, then you're not living faithfully for Jesus, and your faith may be dead. So the um, book of James is a great place to go, James chapter 2. He puts it really firmly. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action is dead. So it's not saying you need works to be to be saved. It's saying once you're saved, you need to live out your faith by good deeds, by being Jesus. And so I'd say to this person, if, um, uh, if they think they've put their faith in Jesus, but they're not living out uh, a faithful relationship with Jesus, then I would keep telling them the gospel of Jesus because they need to repent, acknowledge Jesus as Lord over their life and live in obedience to them. Mm. That's a, to him, sorry.
0: A, it's a tricky distinction to, to make, right? Like it's hard to kind of see someone else's heart in things like yeah. how, how do you think you navigate that maybe we've got a question on rebuke coming up later so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more there but
1: yeah so in terms of how to do that let's talk about that when we uh talk we have our, our question on rebuking someone but you can see people's heart people's hearts uh what's in someone's heart overflows in what they do and so we can say things like we can say that i'm a christian but um we can have evidence of our faith by the way that we live people will be on different journeys and uh, different stages of how they're going, growing in their faithfulness to Jesus, growing Mm -hmm. in how godly they are. Um, But if someone's willingly uh, not growing in godliness or willingly continuing in a sin with no Mm. remorse, then um, I'd I'd question there, do, do they actually... Have they actually accepted Jesus as Lord, mm. both for the, their salvation and for the way that they live? Mm. You know, like Nigel said today, we need to live lives worthy of God now yeah. that he has saved us. Yeah. Uh, question for you, Simon. Oh, let's head to the rebuke question. Yeah, we us have to do that. Perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, I thought about this. From uh, M and from Meg. What is the best way to rebuke someone? How do we do that lovingly and gently? What if they don't, if they don't take the rebuke, there's no remorse of that. Um... How do we take rebuking well or how do we do we have the authority to rebuke others? all those rebuking yeah, questions. everything about rebuke, yeah, um
0: yeah, this one's a complicated one, I think I think it's something that we don't do well, and we don't think about how to do well, I think um I was reading an article that talking about how um uh, i just read the quote from a guy called Matthew Payne on the Gospel Coalition. Christians today are deeply embarrassed by the idea that we might need to call a fellow believer to repent. We think that repentance is something that happens at the beginning of the Christian life, but not afterwards. Um, which is interesting. And he was also talking about the idea of, like, confrontation is something that we just, as a society, hate. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, I don't necessarily like confrontation. Um, and so rebuking someone's really confronting yeah. um, it's confronting to be rebuked and um, to rebuke someone is a really um, yeah it's a really confronting thing to do um, yeah so it's fair enough that we have a lot of questions because it is it's complicated yeah. and it's difficult um, a, a few things that struck me in terms of how to think about it um, is that we should care about righteousness and godliness I think that's kind of a foundational thing in thinking about the idea of rebuking is we should really deeply care about righteousness, our own righteousness, and other people who are are Christians. We should care about their righteousness as well. that's what God saved us for. He saved us
1: to do good works, to be God's holy people.
0: So So in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, it says it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should be made holy, that you would be transformed. Um, And, you know, in Jesus' famous sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So really wanting to be to be righteous and good in how we act is a really good desire, and I think the flip side of that is, um, you know, not wanting to not be those things. It's the obvious opposite, but uh, caring about it in other people as well. So, okay. um, you know, when they when they're not being godly. Um, yep caring we should, that, about that
1: yeah that, we should actively be concerned about that yeah you know? it's because, unloving to not care that someone else is yeah, well, you know, ungodly yeah born. so it, it's a loving thing to do to love someone enough
0: to do something terrifyingly scary and confront them with their mm-hmm. sin um, as Nigel said in the sermon, no one, no one really likes that, I haven't met anyone, maybe someone put their hands up during the sermon saying, I like being confronted with my sin, uh, I haven't met anyone yet who thinks that, um, and so yeah, it's not a nice thing, and so how to think about rebuking someone then, I think first it's good to examine your heart and your own thoughts before you go and rebuke someone else, so Jesus talks about, you know, taking the speck out of your eye before you, mm-hmm. no, the plank out of your eye before you can take the speck out of someone else's, and so I think I think we have an easy tendency to just care about being right rather than being loving. Um, And so in rebuking, we can go, oh, this person's done something wrong. I'm going to tell them that they are wrong because they're wrong and I'm right. Um, And so before you rebuke anyone, I think it's really important to examine your own heart. And to think about where you are at what is your attitude towards this person are you caring about them and their righteousness or are you caring about being right yeah um rather than helping them
1: yeah now a lot of us might stop at this point and go oh yeah i'm i'm a sinner as well mm. how on earth can i be in any place to mm. rebuke um another person but we're still encouraged in the bible to yeah rebuke believers yeah and. Um,
0: Paul says to, it, it's all over in, in his letters, it's a thing that happens. And so I think, yeah, stopping at that step, um, sometimes it's good to stop at that step because you go, oh, I'm actually being sinful in my attitude towards this person and I am deserving a rebuke as much as they are. But sometimes um, you go, oh, actually, no, what they're doing is really unhelpful. Maybe it's unhelpful to other people. I think that's also something that factors into that. You're like, "Ah, oh, this is actually really important for me to step in because, like, it affects other people as well as just yeah, their it's own it's not righteousness. helping the culture yeah. of our um, community. And so I think that's times that I've been really certain about um, stepping in to rebuke someone is when I've gone, I know this is unhelpful for other people, and so I think I should bring this up mm. with them and say, hey, this is really unhelpful for them. Um, maybe just think about this. Um, and so, yeah, think about those kind of things. And so think about how you will rebuke them. So you don't want to just go in and say hey Anton, you uh, said this thing and it was really mean and you weren't very godly in how you did that and then just move on. Um, Like you wanna think about how you say that. And so you kind of, you want to, don't beat around the bush about it. If you have something to say, you should tell it to them. But also make sure when you rebuke someone that you're not not presenting yourself as someone who is holier than them. Mm -hmm coming down to judge them. Um, Make sure you have a posture of coming alongside them to help them um, and to help them in their godliness. Um, And the other thing to do is also, this is an opportunity to preach the gospel to them again and to remind them of Jesus, Um, because you're not coming into this person and telling them, you failed, you suck. You're coming in and saying, hey, this is not a great thing to do, or this is not godly. God calls us to this. But like Jesus forgives us for the things we've done. It doesn't, it doesn't make us worth less. Um, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus died for you. Um, it, it just is, you still struggle as, as a person. Just like sinful. we do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and to come alongside them and preach the gospel to them in how you rebuke them, um, I think. Yep.
1: And what if they have no remorse?
0: Yeah, that, one, that one's a harder one. I think I think Paul has the principle in, in some places of, you know, if you want to rebuke someone, tell them do it personally, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. If they don't, then bring another person and get someone else involved. It goes from there, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that is a helpful principle of, your first point of call should be just to talk to this person directly, yeah. and not to go and spread around, be like, oh, this so-and-so has done this, and this is really bad, and go tell a million people about it. If you think they've
1: done something wrong, go and tell that person. And then if they're not remorseful, I think, I think it's really helpful to, mm. you know, it's uh, what we can fail to do is if someone, say if you've done something, if I can see you doing something ungodly, I uh, my tendency to go, well, let me tell someone else mm. and we can talk about it mm. and then, you know, work things out and me fail not to go to you. Yeah. And so, uh, whereas no, the, the loving thing to do is for me to leave other people out mm. and me to go directly to you, which is a yeah. scary thing, but that's yeah. the right thing to do. Yeah.
0: Right? And so then if you're really confident that what they're doing is sinful um, and not just a difference in opinion on a certain issue, um, then that's a point to go and talk to someone else and say, hey, someone, maybe someone a bit wiser. You could even probably a good idea to depersonalize the information and just be like, hey, this person is really struggling with this or I've seen this. And I really think it's wrong and they should be rebuked and they don't care about it and get advice from someone else um, and have a chat with them. Um, and see if they can help you think about the situation. Yep. Um, I've missed in all of this, be prayerful about all of it. Um, pray as you're thinking about whether to rebuke them or not. Um, come before God and be humble. Um, and pray before you rebuke them. Pray after you've rebuke them. Pray if they're not repentant.
1: You know, just pray about all these things. Yep. It's really important. And uh, often people's first reaction, so if someone mm. comes and rebukes me, my first reaction is to be defensive yep. and to not um, accept that rebuke that's just what happens in my head and so yeah. often i'll come back quite yeah defensive and unaccepting of the rebuke um but then you know hopefully or hopefully i would reflect a bit and mm. weigh that up a bit more and ideally i'd let you know if you're the one rebuking yeah. me that oh actually i think yeah. you're right and i've yeah. sought to repent and change mm. um but just know that that could be the first reaction so maybe it's worth you you know checking back in with me and say oh have you thought you know a couple yeah. of days later have you thought about this at all mm. um And just to keep the relationship going as well, because uh, we should be people who are um, forgiving of one another. So even if the rebuke is misguided or done badly, um, we live under the grace of Jesus, who's forgiven us a massive debt. Mm. And uh, so we can still forgive one another, even if we rebuke one another badly um, or incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, so. Which I think segues nicely into the the
0: opposite side of this conversation, is how do you take a rebuke? Yep. Um, and so I think there's a few things I thought about in this is I think in some ways we should all be ready to take a rebuke from someone else because we of all people know that we are sinful yeah, and we right. do fail mm-hmm. um, and we have problems. And so it it shouldn't surprise us if someone brings us in before us because we should go, oh, yeah, we are sinful, so that checks out. Um, and so I think there's a, a humble attitude, generally speaking, of the awareness of your own fallenness um, and the humility that actually you're not going to get things right and you need God's help and you need other people's help to help you to be godly. Um, and so I think that's a general attitude to work on in your heart that will make you ready to someone coming up to you and, and rebuking you.
1: Yeah, my natural inclination is to go, I'm right, they can't be right. Mm. Whereas actually, no, I should remember, I'm sinful. They could well be right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well be doing something that's unhelpful or ungodly. Yeah,
0: yeah. and you want to weigh up what they've said to you as well. So like I would take a rebuke from you pretty seriously because you know me quite well. Whereas if a random I didn't know very well came and rebuke me, I'd think about it a little bit more and go, okay, they could be saying something right, they could have noticed something, I could have done something really obviously wrong, um, but you know, think about the relationship you have with that person yep. and weigh up what they've said um, and you pray as well yeah. <laughs> ask God to help you understand if you have sinned and repent of it if you have yep. um, yeah, the best response is to say, thank you for rebuking me, but I don't think anyone really has the I don't know,
1: maybe some people do but I Look, think that's hard to be your <laughs> default response to being rebuked. You uh, should, should be thankful because they're concerned about your godliness to the point where they're willing to confront you on that. Uh, So be thankful, as hurt as you may may feel at this point, to go, I feel really hurt, but I'm really thankful that you've Mm. uh, done this. Let's think this through together. Yeah. Shall we do one more, and then we'll do trivia, and then we'll do some more questions after that? Yeah, sounds good. What
0: is... Our fourth question, loving people after bad decisions. That segues well from
1: reboot It does, yes. So
0: this is it's our question. Plainness. What does it look like to continue loving someone through the consequences of a decision they have made, even though you warned them um, or had concerns against it to begin
1: with? All right, so you've warned, um, say you've warned me, and um, I've still gone ahead and done it, mm. and now I'm in a mess. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like we all do dumb things in life. We, we make dumb decisions. Even if we're warned against doing them, we can still do them because we think we're right. And we can end up in a mess from our dumb choices. And so if you're a friend of someone who's done a dumb thing, even when you've warned them... Now, the easiest thing for you to do is to say... I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. Easiest thing to do. But um, I already know that you've told me that and... <laughs> Hopefully, I've got enough self-awareness to go. Okay, Simon told me, I still did it. It hasn't turned out well, and so I'm, you know, I'm already feeling dumb. You don't need to rub it in just because you know you're right. Just, you know, even though that is very satisfying to do. Well, it is. Just be satisfied inside to go. <laughs> I know I'm right. I don't need to point out to uh, the person who knows it already. Um, but love them through the mess. Mm. Love them through the mess. You know. To, to go, okay, I, you, know, you, were, you were right but you're still going to love me even though you didn't take my advice you know, you'd be, that's really frustrating because you go, oh, you wouldn't be in this mess if you took my <laughs> advice yeah. but they're in the mess they're still your friend love them through it mm. uh, your parents have watched you make many dumb decisions in your life and they've loved you anyway They've kept on loving you, kept on supporting you, kept on encouraging you, even through the mess. And so use them as an example to go, um, okay, I can do, I might be able to do that for my friend who I know I was right, they should have listened to me, but they didn't. <sighs> okay, I'm going to choose to love you anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Done. For now,
0: we're going to have the final round of trivia, which is appropriate after right and wrong and, and problems and rebuking, because this has been a fun little time between us where we've <laughs> I've, I've had lots of fun terribly, and Anton's had fun. Ten for Anton, um, and eight for me, and I had was it a four point?
1: I was behind. Deficit. So you points. have had a comeback.
0: Yeah, I will certainly give oh, you. Oh, there we can that. see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank cool. you, Josh. Yeah, um, yeah, and so we've been working through Revelation the game, which Anton and I have already played twice together. Um, and which you've been very good
1: at, so i am yeah. been quite surprised at the current state of school, but, but I think that's made it a little more painful for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not terrible at this. <laughs> there is time to, uh, to come back, yeah. and uh, we, normally we do two questions uh, each week, but we're going to do four questions mm. each, so we need to have really short thinking time. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do all the categories, events and places, people, things, and big finish on numbers. So you definitely have the chance to win this. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, I go. have the chance yeah, to win. Okay. Shall you go first or shall I go first? I don't know how it's going to work. Well, you got the book. Do you want to ask book? me a question okay, and then we... pass and then I'll turn the page? And... Okay. Um, here we go. Where did... Oh, this is blank space, by the way. I know we have Oh Yes, yes. We, we do have segments in this podcast. Where did Moses get water out of a rock by hitting it with his staff? I don't know how
0: to pronounce it. If I get it a little bit wrong, will you give it to me if it's mostly right? Probably. Like, pronunciation. I'll pronounce it. I'm fine with it. Um, I think it's like Mitzpah or something. Mitz- Mitzpah? I can this tell is... by your face. Is it close? Is
1: it close? Look, you've got the starts, the, the starting letter, and the last letter right. But everything in between wrong? Yes. <laughs> it's... Meribah, Meribah, and I'm going to get uh, it. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was going to say you—you should not give that to me. Yeah, look, I'm going. Otherwise, I'm going to get grief on the on the live stream. But yeah, Meribah is the answer. Sorry, Simon. Okay, (laughs) still time. Three questions to go. Look, I was so close. It was like phonetically worked, but just okay.
0: Okay, question one on this page. Where
1: in the Promised Land were the Levites to live? So they don't have. There's no tri, There's no land of Levi um, because they're the priests, and so they're they living throughout the land. That's right, isn't it? So where in the land? So again, all all in all the different tribes. I feel like there's a certain type of place that they live in, like Levite towns within the different things. Um, Levite
0: towns. Oh, look, this is another complicated one because the <laughs> answer is in the towns,
1: but not necessarily in, in the specific Levite towns. towns? Oh, I'm going to say no because I was going for a. Specific and you town. didn't? G- you gave me no for the first one, so it's. No, fair you gave you no for the first one, so no, I'll give me true. no for the second. Yeah, one. yeah okay, okay, good. Okay, okay. Hope you're doing better at home. Yeah, this is okay. This two. Is What's in the final two again? Range. Uh, is it people? People, yes. People, things, and numbers to go. Who said he was the good shepherd? Now we've been waiting for a question like this all <laughs> season. That has mm. been so obvious. I'm probably okay. You've had most heads. of them. You've had uh, how many disciples did Jesus have? Yeah, okay, so I right. think up there with it. Okay, don't um, get this wrong. So Simon. who
0: who said I am the good shepherd? That one's.
1: Um, Jesus. Was Jesus? Yes, I was quite. Well done, just the other day. Yeah. I got a point. Yeah. Josh, you want, maybe you should do the score. Josh. Yeah, you could yeah. just anything to get Josh on the podcast. Yeah. Can I guess if you guys don't know the answers? <laughs> it's gonna to take too long anyway. <laughs> have a, have a, if you if you think you know, yell it out. Yeah. Yell yeah. out. Yeah. See you soon, everyone. Yeah. So Josh is on um, zero. Did we flip it? Ah <laughs> oh, yes. People Who was for me. Abraham's grandfather? Grandfather mm. Terra was his father I think. Ah. But if I say if I don't say Terra and it is Terra then I'm going to be then um, you'll be wrong. Then I'll be yeah. I think I'm going to be more annoyed if I get if I don't say Terra. So I'm going to say Terra. Okay. No, it was Nahor. Oh Nahor. Close. Sorry. Where were you Josh? So Did you know that one? You, <sighs> you throw to me. Sorry. Did you know it? No. No, okay fine. Um, okay. Round 3. Oh it's close. It's, it's so genuinely close. close. So things is it? Things. Yeah. Okay. What was the profession of Eli's sons? They were priests. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> they I power. have
0: broken even. That has not happened since we started, <laughs> I think. Yes. like we're zero first... all and then um then now now, ten all. That is incredible. <sighs> it's not going well, people. Um all right. Ah, uh, it's fine. What kind of garment was put on Jesus at his trial?
1: A robe. Can you be more specific? A... Like a fake king robe? Is that specific enough? How, a, a linen robe? How specific would it be? In
0: how it's described? Put on a... I don't know if it's this obvious, like... If it's an obvious one, should I give you the half answer for saying robe? I'll take
1: half a point. I don't <laughs> think we <I> do that. <laughs> you said people <laughs> weren't doing half points. I've asked for them in what the past. What kind of robe is it? A royal robe? Oh, is that your, robe? you're locking it in? This won't count, but do you know Josh? Is it purple?
0: Yes. <gasps>
1: uh, oh yes, two points for Josh!
0: Josh is on two I wouldn't points. Say purple. I and do you think do, people purple. Do I give you the point? What do you uh, think, Josh? You can arbitrate. Uh, no point. No point. You've got to have so the colour. real
1: so no no colour and one? It's probably fair, but I'm still annoyed. Yep. Okay, for, this last one. Oh, crikey. What if what, there's a tie? Well, we have to ask another question. <sighs> okay. Or we'll get Josh to ask one and we whoever does it first. Oh, yeah, you have to buzz in. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. How many chariots did Zechariah see in his vision? Ooh! Numbers category, by the way. Oh,
0: can you imagine if I lost on this because you get the next one right? Actually, that will be satisfying because this is a hard one. It's not like I lost on an obvious one if you do. I feel like it will be a numerically symbolic number. So, I want to go 7 or 77?
1: 77. 77. Close. Four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <does> that... <laughs> <laughs> the four is it the four horsemen? I forgot the question already. But it's anyway. not.
0: It's not in Revelation. It's Zechariah's vision. Okay, maybe it's picked up in Revelation. Four yeah.
1: horsemen. Anyway, um, okay. This is for the. This is for trivia of yeah. season one. <laughs> it's the fourth good one, right? Yes.
0: It's not looking good. How wide was King Og's bed? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you give me, like, the measurement? Is it in feet or cubits or something? It's in feet. I'll give you that. (sighs) So 24 is the first number that's in my head. I feel like it was very... I feel like we've talked about this, and it was, like, massively, ridiculously long. 24. Close. Six feet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So at the end of that, we are
1: tied. (sighs) So, Josh... What um, What kind of question will we? I think just go, do A because A is sometimes easier. <laughs> so how do we buzz? Buzz. Okay, um, practice your buzzing sounds. Buzz. Anton. Yeah, just, just buzz. Buzz. Simon. Just like
0: tap our legs and buzz. Okay, okay, here we go. The Sadducees
1: did not believe in the resurrection. True or false? Buzz. <laughs> You, you you didn't let me finish the question. <laughs> that doesn't matter. You can buzz it like telecentries oh, early. That's true, actually. Yes. Anton, the Sadducees did not believe <sighs> no. in the resurrection. True or false? True, that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> a... The answer is true. Congratulations, Anton!
0: Yes! Yay! You won! Um, oh, what? nervous oh. It's a long time I know oh. But like, I let Josh finish the question Yeah Too polite Simon But I lost Which means This is happening Here you are You have won The 6.45 pod oh, TV yeah, even... for season We're one on it. Yeah that's I made amazing. a little clown. And then you've got A little crown Oh thank you and social... <laughs> Oh and I got a party popper
1: oh, party popper to party. Popper won. Yay <laughs> Love it Thank you Okay that was Blank Space With a very appropriate ending I thought Yeah very yes. Very dramatic yeah, if I lost it after being... T- anyway. Um, yeah, look, in hooray. some ways, it's probably best that I lost because I feel like it would cause friction would in our, our relationship. I would be much more, yeah. <laughs> But then, you know... Then you'd forgive me eventually. I would, but uh, by the grace of Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave this okay, up. Okay, so well... a reminder of my victory. Now we're going to have
0: questions that hopefully we can answer. <laughs> True. In um, some more of your own
1: questions. Whose turn? I think it's my turn to ask you a question. Uh, yes. There we go. Okay. Um, Right. Thank you for your encouragement, by the way, on Facebook feed, I really, really appreciate it. Um, All right. If you have been evangelizing to someone for a long time and have seen no change or progress, is it okay to give up in hope that God will use someone else to get through to them? Thanks, Julia, for the question.
0: Mm. Um, I think, short answer, I think yes. But I will expand on that answer because that is very unsatisfying. Um, Yeah, I think evangelism is hard and it takes effort if you're really intentionally evangelizing someone and really intentionally sharing the gospel Mm. with them. And I think it does come to a point where you go, I have been working really hard and being really prayerful and sharing the gospel with this person and they just don't care um and there's a point where you can go okay maybe my time will be better spent investing in someone else for a little while giving a go at um investing in 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 someone else and see if that produces fruit um i think though that doesn't mean you just stop being friends with them or you give up on them completely yeah give up
1: on them as a as a friend or as a person
0: you know. So still continue to love for them and still continue to look out for opportunities to share the gospel with them Um, because, uh, yeah, just because they, you know, maybe you'll be less intentional in going, I'm going to, this is be the friend that I'll invite to friends' nights and things. Hmm. Um, But um, you can... Yeah, invest those specific efforts somewhere else, but still be prayerful for that friend. Um, still care for them and love them and look out for opportunities. Um, I was thinking about the parable of the soils that Jesus has, um, where there's the kind of the word falls on four different kinds of soils, um, and you can't necessarily know what kind of soil yep. um, that you've been sowing the gospel in. Um, you know, maybe the seed that God has used you to plant in them will be sprouted years down the track, and you actually. can't know Um, or maybe they're just the hard soil that will not accept the gospel and that's never going to happen um
1: but that's not us for us to know exactly uh god knows who will be saved jesus knows his sheep so if uh that's what um uh so if, if god knows then we can entrust them to him yeah and not be um uh not think it's all on us uh but yes take every opportunity we can maybe it's time to shift our you know a big effort in evangelism to, mm. to someone else but yeah don't give up on them um, but uh, maybe a time to go okay I'm gonna just yeah. be their friend for a bit yeah. and
0: take opportunities as they come up Yeah, mm-hmm. and that may help as well if you just spend time being their friend it might like soften them a little bit they might be less uh, intense maybe they're difficult in that way when you talk about it further down the track just kind of yeah. give them a little pause yeah, yeah. cool alright Anton question for you um, what is the next question?
1: It's a big question about not that we plan this um, about money. Oh, yes. I've shortened it down, which might be helpful. Yeah. Do you have a? Do you want me to give a go? Yeah. So um, Jack asked about uh, money and ministry, actually, and um, it's a long paragraph, but I'll share the highlights. If sharing faith with faith, if start again, if sharing faith with others is so important, and grants. Virtue and spiritual reward that is higher and more satisfying uh, than any material reward. Why do ministers often adamantly seek out material reward such as financial payment? Uh, do you want to give any th- more thrust to that question? Like,
0: yeah, I about? guess it's like, is, is money bad and is it bad for ministers to ask for money is kind of the vibe I get. Mm. Like, yeah. why, why should ministers ask for money um, if it's something that, that isn't good?
1: Yeah. yeah. So uh, firstly, you're right about ministry uh, Ministry is, uh, has a wonderful reward as we see people grow in Christ uh, That's why Nigel was so excited mm-hmm. about, um, uh, about ministry in his sermon today In that um, uh, I've got great joy in uh, ministering to people as a minister um, In seeing people uh, uh, come to faith and grow in their trust in Jesus, and persevere through hard things. And I did ministry for no financial gain uh, when I was a school teacher. I was a school teacher before I went into ministry, and I did heaps of ministry. I led youth groups, I led growth groups, and did lots of other things, as many of you do. But because I was school teaching, that took up the majority of my time. I didn't have time to lead a congregation. I didn't have time to um, uh, to prepare sermons frequently. I didn't have time to train lots and lots of other people to do works of ministry. And so, of course, I can do ministry without any uh, financial um, uh, gain, uh, which I did. But I couldn't do all that I can do now, having been trained as uh, uh, trained in ministry and then spending uh, all my working time uh, uh, doing it, so that 's why I gave up my vocation of teaching to use all my work time for ministry Now, for me to do that and still eat and support my family i 'll need to rely I need to rely on the financial support of other people, uh, particularly the people who uh, who I serve in ministry uh, and so what, uh, what we're doing is when we ask people to give to gospel work here at Christchurch, uh, partly you're giving to the maintenance of the place, so the running of um, the, you know, the electricity and the maintenance of the buildings and uh, all the other kind of operational costs that go on. Uh, you're paying for admin support and things like that. Uh, but you're also giving towards uh, what's called a stipend for ministers and other gospel workers. Uh, that's something I love about uh, working in an Anglican church. So if I, when I was a teacher I got paid a wage for my teaching because i that's my reward for the work that I was doing. Uh, in the uh, Anglican system we get a stipend which is like an allow- a living allowance. So it's not uh, uh, strictly speaking it's not a reward for the work that I'm doing. Mm. It's an allowance I get so that I can live and be sheltered and um, uh, provide for my family while I give all my time uh, to, um, uh, to the work of the gospel. Uh, so for example in uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 11 Paul is talking about um, uh, apostles which is not the same as ministers but uh, sets up the principle of gospel workers and, um, and, and financial um, uh, uh, payment. So he uses, the, he uses the example of a soldier so a soldier doesn't serve the nation uh, out of his own pocket. He, the nation pays for the soldier to um, to protect them. Uh, in a similar way, Paul says, if we if we have sown spiritually, spiritual sorry, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, if, if, if he's ministered to them, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others, like soldiers, have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? So he's saying that um, uh, you, um, if uh, if you've got spiritual benefit, then we'd love you to be generous of the work of the gospel. You giving to the work of the gospel allows more and more people to uh, come to know Jesus and uh, and to grow in knowing Jesus and to be and to be organised uh, like we have lots of organised ministries here that, here at Christchurch. So that more people uh, can do ministry, whether paid or unpaid.
0: Mm. And I was actually, I'm trying to find the verse, but I can't find it. Even Jesus was financially supported. There were uh, some wealthy women who, like, paid for his ministry. Like, it wasn't, like, Jesus as the perfect person, like, he was was also supported in that way to do ministry. So there mustn't be something inherently wrong, because it's something that Jesus received to do his ministry.
1: Of course, there's a danger of, um, uh, of, uh, loving money too much. It's a danger for everyone. Um, I didn't go into ministry for the money though, but, you know, I have a commerce degree. I could have um, made plenty of money not going to ministry. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I had design, I would not have made money outside of ministry <laughs> either. So. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, I, if I was in it for the money, I w- wouldn't be in it really. <laughs> um, uh, but if, um, but I want to serve Jesus, um, full time. And I want to work in ministry full-time so that more people can grow to know and love Jesus more and more. And uh, so that's why we call on you guys to um, uh, to give generously. And that kind of, you know, another question was asked about tithing. Mm. So tithing was a practice in the Old Testament where people gave a tenth of what they earned or produced uh, to the work of of God. Um, uh, as Christians in the New Uh, Covenant, New Testament, we're not bound by that kind of one tenth of what we earn giving to church. Um, Our call, rather than be legalistic, our call is to be generous with our money, Mm. both to the needy and to others, uh, and of course to our family, but also to the work of the gospel. So be generous as you can to those who need it, and particularly give to the work of the gospel because uh, only Christians will give to the work of the gospel uh, because they see the benefit of it. And uh, so, for example, in 1 Timothy 6, chapter 18, let me look that up. Sorry, chapter 6, verse 18. uh, Paul writes that uh, command, particularly those who are rich, which basically, if we're on the North Shore, that's that's all of us, particularly compared to um, people around the world. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. That's our principle. We are to be generous with our money. Now, how because all money that we have is a gift from God uh, to be used for his glory. And so we can do that by providing for the people who we're responsible for, uh, by being generous to the poor and needy, by giving to his kingdom work. Uh, And if by God's grace we have a little more, then we can use it for our enjoyment as well. Mm. What that looks like for me is I go, well, if the Pharisees gave 10%, and often their heart wasn't in it with God; they were just doing it out of legalism. Um, surely, I, if, if, with my heart in it with God, surely I can give ten percent to His work. So I give ten percent of um, what I earn back to the church, back to Christ Church for gospel ministry, and then um, on top of that, I um, support different other, a uh, few other. Um, Campus Christian groups and other Christian organisations, and I give uh, some uh, to uh, the needy as well, and so that's kind of the, that's kind of how roughly I go about it. I don't say that to boast, um, but uh, if I'm the leader of sixty five Forty Five, I'm to lead by um, my generosity as well. Mm. Yeah.
0: No, that's really helpful. I think like giving to gospel ministry is a way of showing that you really value it. Like We invest money in the things that we yeah. care about. Yeah. Um, and so if you really care about gospel ministry, you'll want to invest money in that yep. so it can thrive and grow. Um, yeah. And it's just a way of you saying, I value this more than me having a huge savings account. Or...
1: Yep. Yep. And how wonderful will it be if you uh, have contributed to gospel ministry and then you see people on the last day with Jesus who are there partly because you've mm. contributed to, to that gospel ministry. You may not have met them before, but because you've been generous to gospel work, they've become Christians and stayed Christian. That will be, be a great day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time for one more, and then we'll call it a night. Uh, okay, from Bron, how can we be motivated and excited to connect with God daily? Mm. That's a great question. I think it's kind of...
0: And Anna also asked a question of how can we follow God in the long haul. Yeah. So I think that also fits in to that question. Um, I think it's kind of, in some ways, the eternal struggle of um, being a Christian is being motivated and exciting to be engaging in God's word every uh, day. I think it's a really common struggle. People really struggle to have good, quiet times, to have good time in prayer, prayer. Um, yeah, it's just so common that people say, I really struggle to read the Bible every day, or I really struggle to pray. Um, and so I think in some ways, um, uh, yeah, with motivation being hard to come by, and sometimes you can't, don't necessarily feel it, um, it's good to acknowledge sometimes you won't feel motivated. Sometimes you won't feel excited to read the Bible, um, and that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean you should... <clears throat> Um, give up on it just because you're not finding it exciting at this time, um, but actually persevere in it because it's really important. Every time you're opening the Bible and reading God's Word, you're allowing His Spirit to transform your heart and your mind, even if you don't feel excited about it at the time. Um, and so, yeah, don't give up if you don't feel excited, um, which is a hard
1: truth to accept. Really. like
0: <laughs> I want to be excited about reading the Bible. Well,
1: sometimes you just need to just do it. Even if you don't feel like doing it, even if there's a thousand other more fun things you could do, um, even just doing it anyway, Mm. and you may get something out of it, you may not, uh, but the practice of still choosing to engage with God will reap great benefits in the long haul
0: mm. and so in some ways I think the flip side then how, how can we get ourselves excited um, about that um, and so there's a couple of things that I think about that I try and remind myself of when I'm finding Bible reading and prayer really hard is you really should go back and remind yourself of the foundation of what it is that we're doing, um, so I was thinking about the classic verse of Hebrews four twelve, uh, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is God's word. That's what you're coming before when you are reading the Bible, and that's incredible. Like that's a- amazing truth that you read this living and active word of God that God has spoken, and He's caused it to be written down so we can know what God's words are, and by His Spirit He can transform our hearts. That's really cool. And so that's something great to remind yourself of when you're finding it hard to read the Bible. Actually go back and go, what is it that's happening when we're reading the Bible? God is speaking and transforming us. These are God's words. This should be really exciting for us if we really uh, deeply understand what it is that's going on uh, when we come before God in His Word. Um, and similarly with prayer, um, it's something that we can just so easily take for granted as something we can do. But actually, sometimes I go and I stop and think for a moment. I go, "This is God who made the universe, and I, as a pathetic, puny human, can talk to Him and ask for things and have a relationship with Him." And that's just an incredible, an incredible thing to think about. Um, and you know, I think that's in the end, these things, reading God's word, praying, are about building a relationship with God. They're not things to just tick off for being a good Christian. Yep. It's actually about building and investing in your relationship with God. And so if you have that mindset, maybe that will change a little bit how you think about it. Um, this is the hard won thing that Jesus has done on the cross. This is what he did, he restored he gave us the opportunity to have a restored relationship with God and this is part of how we express that relationship with God that we can now have is by praying and reading God's word Um, so understanding what Jesus did for us uh, is a great motivator to be excited to come before God in his
1: word. Totally, Uh, the only thing I'd add, that's that's the the principle underneath a couple of practical things, Mm. mix it up Mm. so I usually, you know read my Bible, kind of Pick a book of the Bible and read it through a little bit each day. Uh, this year, I'm working through a devotional book that I was given, and that's been really fresh. You know, I wouldn't want to do that all the time uh, every year, but um, that's mm. been really good. I change my prayer system every now and again. So last year, I did Prayer Mate, the app on my phone. Uh, now I use a system of post-it notes, digital post-it notes, to to pray through people uh, and and uh, things. So uh, do something different. Mm. You know, read. Like, like we've been doing, our, you know, if you go back and listen to our podcast episodes, we have um, you know, different spiritual disciplines that come up on most episodes in um, our segment called King of My Heart. Yep, that's it. Uh, Go back and try some of those spiritual disciplines to uh, engage with God in a slightly different way, still through his Word, still through prayer, but in a slightly different way to approach it. Mm. Yeah.
0: We have... Well, there's a little extra part of that, in oh, sorry, thinking you... about families and how to engage kids in that you can say a few things on it quickly one thing I saw recently that I really loved I went to a friend uh, a couple's house they have a a two and a half ish year old um, and they got him to pray in thanks before we had dinner together and I thought that was really beautiful just a moment of saying um, giving them an opportunity to be prayerful and to pray in front of everyone else I thought that was just a really nice little subtle thing that you can do um, to help get kids involved. And the other thing that I thought was um, making it a priority yourself and making it an obvious priority in front of your kids. Something I find really encouraging is um, my mum always in the morning is has her quiet time and sits and has her breakfast and reads her quiet time. And that's encouraging for me to continue. Yep. That's harder for really young kids who don't understand it yet. But, no, they um, say the practice. That's, yeah, that's really and so modelling that practice to yep. them is really helpful.
1: And uh, you just need to live out your faith. So if they are... I say this, you know, really glibly it's really <laughs> difficult as a parent. Um, if they're really worried or stressed about something, bring it to God in prayer together, or um, as you read the Bible, um, talk through how the implications for their life as well as your life. Mm. Um, have them, and like you said, model it. Have them see you do it. And uh, uh, we're doing the best news ever challenge at our home, which mm. um, our church is currently doing. And kids are getting to read their Bible every day and do a little devotion as well. And they're loving it. So there's plenty of good resources on the Christchurch website. So you can check that as well. There is one bonus question at the end from the Facebook feed, which I thought was an appropriate way to end our season on the fruit of the spirit. Lockie asks, what does it look like practically to to sow the spirit in Galatians 6? So the fruit of the spirit, I'm going to go with sow the fruit of the spirit. In Galatians 6. Oh, it's a chapter after this. The fruit of the Spirit. Ah, no, it's actually a thing. Let me read it. <laughs> Josh is ready with it straight away. Did you see what verse it was, Josh? Uh, like six or seven, that's a guess. Riveting, um, live streaming here. <laughs> oh, verse 8, verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap dis- destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So in terms of sowing, it's doing something, it's, it's an action. Uh, if you are sowing to please the flesh, I think it's fairly, um, fairly obvious. It's doing things that your, uh, you and your sinfulness would want to do, to please yourself, to be selfish, uh, to worship things other than God. Um, I think the counter to that is sowing to uh, please the Spirit. Well, the Spirit is God, and the Spirit does all things through the Word of God to the glory of God. Mm. So sowing to the Spirit is uh, working towards the things that God wants. Mm. And since the Spirit's mentioned, I think it's pretty, a pretty natural link to go back to the fruit of the Spirit yeah. and go, okay, the Spirit wants us to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness and self-control. Um, not in that order. Um, uh, so, okay, what can we do to cultivate mm. that in our lives? I hear there's a really good podcast that might help us with oh, that. Yeah, I,
0: I think there is. Might, might be a few episodes on each aspect of the fruit of the spirit. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, you can go back and listen through. And now you've seen our dynamic if you haven't listened before. Yep. It's definitely entertaining. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. That's yeah. been fun. That has been fun. We didn't get to your green pants. <laughs> oh look! For those, for the nineteen people, someone's just dropped off. For the nineteen people who are still watching, listening live, um, my green pants died. So I had a pair of green pants for people like Meg Voislasky, who's missed this of um, in her time here. Anyway, um, I had a pair of green pants. Wore them semi regularly. They were great. Loved them. Um, and they were certainly popular. They were well popular. They were they were notorious. Right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's um, good but way. no, they literally died. Got holes in them. Yeah. And so, and I just haven't found any any um, worthy replacement. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm really sad to say the the green pants are, are dead. And I might see them on the last day of close resurrected. <laughs> I don't know. Question for the next live episode: Will close be resurrected?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, this has been a really fun season i hope the whole season if you've listened has been really enjoyable for you doing this has been really fun i'd love to do it again at some point i'm sure we will um thanks for listening hope church was encouraging you can join us for church next week happens every week um this has been great i've had fun i hope you've had fun I hope you got more answers than we did in trivia Nigel yep. people have been messaging me my mum's rubbed it in my sister on the live feed Nigel sent me a message saying oh yeah I got three of those correct in the week that none of us got a correct answer so <laughs> um,
1: yeah good on him maybe we should bring him along and yeah. do a trivia session with him yep. uh, I rec- how about I pray yeah. when we wrap up season one let's do it heavenly father thank you so much for the gift of your spirit uh, who is at work in us to change us to be more like Jesus, so that we may do the works that you have saved us to do. And so please grow on us all the fruit of the Spirit, uh, so that we may be more like Jesus, and so that we may be a wonderful blessing to those around us. Help us as we go into our week uh, to live lives worthy of you, knowing that you have saved us by the blood of Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining Praise. us.